This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam, the young bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, the ghost of Heron Hall, a bannerman has no name, Lord Thanos of House Titan, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, the mother of cats, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Kendall of House Taylor, Sir Ryan of House Lothstrom, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Captain of the Guard, Sir Dustin the Rooster Knight, Captain of the Guard, Sir Ron of House Golson, Captain of the Guard. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Butt Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 6, Predictions and Follow-Up Friday. Wow. It's the last time we'll ever say that in terms of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. It's in terms of... Or is it? Or is <laughs> it? Yeah, so... Man, we'll Sir Ezra, how are you doing, man? Ah, uh, dude, uh, doing okay. Actually, got it. I mean, it's it's nice to be podcasting again and, and talking about Game of Thrones. I've had kind of a busy, crazy week, but uh, it's good. I mean, the weather's been great, you know. So hey, man, am, hey, am, hey, uh, right, right there with you. Ezra, Ezra, and I were sitting down to record, and then uh, had a big leak in that, you know, and some some water issues <laughs> there, and I had to run out and start bucking the water. That hot tub we got. Remember, I I mentioned a little while ago. Yeah. It's got a little leak in it, so I guess I'm just gonna buy a new one. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I you were, you were pulling a whole um, what are they, the the drowned priest situation out yeah, there? Where yeah. You guys so. just you know. Too many <laughs> anyway, it's uh, squared away there. Um, but yeah. So now let's talk some Game of Thrones season eight episode six. Uh, maybe it's just called the end. Maybe that's, yeah. Maybe that's I what guess the episode, so. Maybe that's what the episode will be called, or or finally for those of you who are. Uh, been uh, petitioning against against this season so uh we'll find True. out but yeah. woo! well season eight episode six the fun the finale is here things do not look good for uh mm-hmm. well any of the inhabitants of king's landing the the about 30 that i'm sure are remaining yeah yeah but uh yeah we've got a ton of ravens to get through we have some trivia and some other things to talk about but yeah it's uh i'm excited and let's dive right into it so sir ezra uh trivia last week uh, the question was who supplies the mother of dragons with her coffee um starbucks is is what we were accepting uh i think that's what most people were putting it turns out it may not have actually been starbucks it may have been some sort of local uh, coffee shop but we were uh-huh. but, but we would have accepted any answer all you have to do is respond in the trivia section on the facebook group and you get entered in for our funko pop giveaway and right. um this week's winner is lord amy gauss i'm guessing is how she pronounces yep. her mm-hmm. last name and uh yep. also uh we have a raven from her later that we found because we've get, been getting, yeah. we've been getting who about like four hundred ravens a week. So we've been trying to sift through as many of those as we possibly can, and uh, we chose her as our trivia winner. And then Sir Ezra said, "Hey, she also sent a raven." So, uh, yep. yeah, 
shout out to so shout out that. yeah yeah shout out to her uh all you got to do lady amy is shoot us a message on our facebook uh page it'll hit our inbox and then we can uh, hook you up or an email either way and we can start getting you sent out a funko pop as our giveaway uh right. trivia question for next week which i guess is kind of going to be um it's the end of the series we'll be talking about the end of the series and uh right. so go ahead and answer this question what color is the horse that aria rides out on so that's obviously this episode and uh yeah so let us know and here's the thing i want you to be as you know specific as possible okay Mm -hmm. on the color of the horse Mm -hmm. all right so take that how you will yeah absolutely (laughs) so all right um all right one last thing before we get going here uh we keep getting people saying hey where can we follow you on uh on social media you can follow me on pretty much anywhere on the internet at super gains bros uh yeah you can follow me on uh twitter at womprat underscore two m perfect uh all right let's go ahead and dive into these ravens we got a lot here we have some ones some negative ones we've been told that we don't read negative well, ravens but yeah <laughs> you know to be fair sir ezra we don't actually get that many negative ravens no we we don't and as a matter of fact if like it, we have a lot to read through, and, and most of them are positive, mm-hmm. so we're throwing those in the dock, and, and we have actually tried to seek out some that uh, critique the show. I think we read a couple last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, this week I have a CNN article that I just want to reference. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I have a few uh, points that were made by by um, eh, by a writer in, at CNN mm-hmm. that I thought would be interesting for the group to discuss, and I'll post the links in the, in the uh, Facebook group. Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to start with those, or do you want to start with, can I start with the CNN article real quick? Go ahead and start with the CNN article. Okay. Because uh, I think this is interesting. So we had, there's this petition going around, more than 350,000 people want Game of Thrones. They want the final season to be remade. Okay, Sir Matt, they, uh, <laughs> they let's see, it's a change.org petition titled, Remake Game of Thrones Season 8 uh, with Competent Writers. So there it is. You know, if we've never said anything, if we've never pushed anything that was anti-season eight, here it is. Uh, 350,000 signatures already. They're trying to get up to 500 uh, signatures. So wow. yeah, there we go. Let's see. They talk about the, the let's see, quote, showrunners uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have proven themselves to be woefully incompetent writers when they have no source material, i.e. the books to fall back on. The petition reads, quote, this series deserves a final season that makes sense. Oh, then they're they're basically uh, the the goal of this is to kind of push HBO to make that happen. Right. I don't think that's going to happen, uh, Sir Matt. I I don't think HBO is going to come out and remake the season, or are they in this last episode? They could. Brand, <laughs> Where's the reset? You know, button? it's possible Brand might hit that reset button. Um, that's right. Yeah. You know, I here's my thing is even if it even if the the finale is completely disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, guys, it's it's a TV show, and and mm-hmm. a, and a book series, and I, 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 you know, I don't know. People root for bad things all the time, right? You know, before Sir Ezra and I, when we were we were, we were looking at that article yep. a little bit, and I was and I was thinking, I mean, I mean, I don't want to start, you know, angering some some people from s- certain cities here, but I mean, hey, Sir Ezra, you and I are from from Ohio, and it. The yeah. the last time the city of Cleveland won a championship was back in like the <laughs> 1950s, and people keep rooting for that city for a long time, and then you know you finally finally won one. I mean, 
You know, the Dallas Cowboys right. haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s, but it's the largest sports team in the world, and people root for it every every year. People from Michigan yeah. think they're going to beat Ohio State. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. So, uh, I mean, no, I'm just joking. Um, I think I think yeah, it is going to happen yeah. this year. But um, still, you know. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've we've invested a lot of time. Um, fortunately, we're still in a situation where the books are could come out and be infinitely and probably will be infinitely better. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it, too, a little bit. And I definitely do think I don't I don't think people are actually upset with the and we're, some of our Ravens are going to talk about this. I don't think people are necessarily upset with how the season's going. It's just that there hasn't been enough context to explain some of the decisions they've chosen because they chose to do mm-hmm. short a short season. It's it's not. I think it's actually more. I you. I think it really goes back to season seven and the choices they made there. Which makes season okay. eight feel so much more rushed because when I when I go back into season seven, not a lot really happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about okay. how much time John and Danny spend on Dragonstone deciding what they want to do, and I mean, yeah. a lot of those episodes just feel like okay, we're here's Arya and Sansa again in Winterfell. I mean, season seven is remarkably slow for what takes place, and then because of that, season eight feels like a, a sprint. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the real issue is, is that they as season seven is pretty slow and it's you could have you could have started tying that stuff. in. I mean, to be I mean, you had you have to get point character to point A to point B and I get all that. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't think people would have been I don't think people would be ups, upset that Arya, say, kills the Night King. There was some hinting at it. and We've talked about that, but. It wasn't nearly as much as we thought we'd gotten with John, so that so that decision I think is rubbing a lot of people the long way because oh that seems like a one eighty. Daenerys, and we're going to talk about this later in today's episode. I think there's plenty of arguments to show why Daenerys would kind of freak out in that in that in that moment, but mm-hmm. it, it 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 to a lot of people it feels like it's just a complete one eighty, and and I and I and I get, yeah. and I get it and and I get it because. The way it's kind of executed this season is, they they needed a little more they need a little more context to show because we've seen Daenerys over time with um like when she you know she made the decision to torch um Sam's brother and Sam's dad even against the advice of Tyrion right so I mean there 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 are definitely moments there are definitely she burns um. Miramazdul at the very beginning, she's okay with her brother dying, and somebody references that in in one of the one of our ravens. Um, yeah, she also the the masters, right? She has them kind of. Yes, she does. Um, she has a butcher, even the ones butcher who, right there. Yeah. As soon as she gets her unsullied army, she says, "Kill all the masters." So it's not like right. it's not I mean, like, you could argue that they're that, that they're not innocent. You could argue right. they weren't innocent. So that's that's why that right. But it, it, I I can, I definitely see the argument of people who are like, "Whoa, this this feels rushed," because. Once, because you pit you show Cersei a certain way, and okay, so we yeah. so we start thinking okay, Cersei's the enemy, and then we think oh, John and Daenerys are going to get together, it's going to be fine, and their relationship, and and the forcing them to go apart, which I think is what the the show writers, uh, regardless of whether they're doing mm-hmm. a good job or not, I think that's what 
just in, in watching it and trying to think of the choices they're making. That's what I think those are the direction they were probably trying to go. And because there just there wasn't a ton of context of that John Danny relationship, we really only see them hook up once. And then we just see them kind of embrace here and there. And even I mean, by episode two, John is awkward with Danny because he now knows the truth of his parentage. And so it's like, well, we just saw them finally get together. Right. Two episodes ago. You know, if you were if you were just yeah. if you were just streaming this and you weren't waiting two years like we were. Um, so mm-hmm. for those of you who are just who just who just got into the series. So I definitely see how it feels really sudden for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. And, and let me read one more here just because I have another. I think this this author kind of or this writer brings up a lot of. Well, just inter- it's another perspective that that maybe I. You know, you don't, I, I watch a TV show and I, I just enjoy it. And I'm like, oh, it was cool action. That was a cool fight scene. You know, these things. So these these other layers that are like super uh, deep and sophisticated. I'll leave it to people like this this writer. I think her name is Kate Malt. Uh, gosh, Kate Maltby. Okay. Kate Maltby. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry Sounds if great. I butchered that. Yeah, uh, for, from CNN. So sorry if I butchered that. But she she's kind of making the argument here. The, the title of this is Why I'm Furious About and Obsessed With game of thrones and just talks about that we've all been obsessed with it talks about the viewership i think there's some 40 46 million people you know who who tuned in watched uh who, who watch game of thrones uh there was something like 17 or i don't know how many millions that tuned like some record right this past uh sunday right it, it's some record for a uh, number of streams or watches that on that sunday uh let's see she goes she says here there's plenty there's plenty to be angry about the storylines of women and non-white characters have collapsed in, into cliche. Mm-hmm. So here we go. I can uh, see that. No, I uh, I can I, I yeah. can I can I can certainly see that. Yeah, so Benioff and and, and Weiss uh, seem to have learned their lesson when the um the rape of a major character Sansa Stark was uh framed foremost as a traumatic experience for the man forced to watch it. Uh, as Vanity Fair's um uh, Joanne Robinson put it, quote, the last thing we needed was to have a powerful young woman brought low in order for a male character to find redemption, end quote. So there's that. Uh, that that I, I saw a lot of that I, going I would, around last I would, season. I would, I would not, uh, not argue against that. I think you could, I, that, that's definitely something you could, you could take out of that scene. Yeah. I, so, so those are the little things, the way you set up stuff and the way you execute things, uh, Again, based on point of view, and that's been something that I wondered what whether the how that's uh, taken into account with the, with the writers because everything is from a certain character's point of view, the way that they're they're witnessing it. And I thought of that scene, and I wondered, you know, in, in the books, like like well, you know, in, the, in, just the character in, in the books, it's probably not even going to go close to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, there is, I gosh, it's actually. What is her name? Jane Poole, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, Sansa's is, Sansa's not even there. Like, and, and she's not even. No, there. and it's supposed to be Arya, and it's it's, it's uh, a whole it's big Jane Poole, yeah, a ton I, of other stuff for the yeah. Yeah, but I think I think the perspective, I think the point of view is actually still from, uh, Reek. Right. At the time. Right. Yeah. Reek. So Theon. So it seems like they kept the same, you know, point of view ba- based on what what happens in the books. I could be. I had to go back and look, but I. I thought that was kind of how that went down in the um, in the books. Anyways, so yeah, so so there's that. Let's see. Um, just goes on to talk about uh, Masandi, the former slave, uh, might have had a real story arc of her own, but uh, first she inhabited a classic black best friend 
uh, trope, and then she became a plot device to spur a white uh, protagonist's revenge as Sansa to Theon Greyjoy, so uh, Masande to Daenerys. So, you know, there's there, there's some other frustrations in, in, in people who are looking at this. Uh, you know, when, when I saw her, her killed, I, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, we, we do those initial reactions. I was just like, it was just the love between Grey Worm and, and, and Chi. And I was like, oh my gosh, man. They were just getting to a point where they, they thought about going to... Right. Um, back to her back to her country you know her people were peaceful his people are not and i was like he's we kept saying we ended the episode with you know gray worm is pissed and so that was what i was taking away from it i didn't even notice things like this so i when these come to our attention we will point them out and and uh you know they're interesting points uh i'm glad i'm not writing the show (laughs) yeah agreed agreed yeah 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 it's I don't know. I'm sh- although you know what I'm, I'm. There's a. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like. I wish you guys were writing the show because it's. I've we got some pretty cool ideas. I've seen, man. I've seen a lot of people say um, things along the lines of like, wow, that when the when the fan fiction guys on Reddit write better theories than than these guys making millions of dollars. But so no, well, but and, and, yeah, I think ahead, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. This season. This season is not how I think anyone expected it to go. Um, yeah, but we still have one episode left. I'm still still waiting to see. Uh, you know, we we talked about Star- you and I have talked about Star Wars a lot. I think mm-hmm. if you go back to the to the prequel trilogy, I think Episode Two is easily the worst movie. But I think once you've seen episode Star Wars Episode One, Two, and Three. Three being a much better movie than two makes the whole picture not look as bad. So it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, and so I'm still holding out. We don't know what's going to happen in this next episode. So if if we see it and suddenly it all clicks and makes sense, then okay. If, what if, if it does? It, what if it does? <laughs> if it doesn't, and then we can, I can view it again and view it with the entire series and see, okay. Now that I can view the whole picture, if it's still really bad and it still kind of tarnishes the rest, then okay, well I'll say that. But I'm still I'm still waiting to pass to pass judgment. Um, I've said that episode four I think is easily my least favorite episode of Game of Thrones. I would actually probably go as far as to say it's a pretty bad episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think five I think five was was awesome. Um, yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't at all how we thought it would go. I, I can see why people think the bells is, is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm still, still yeah. waiting to, still waiting on that, on the last episode to see, to see the, to see the whole picture. But to those of you that are really upset by the season, I completely understand, under, understand well, why. Yes. Sir, Matt, let me, let me put it to you like this and let me remind folks at the, at the top of the show here. So, uh, Sir, Matt, the Bud Knight and Sir Ezra, the Watchful, are just a couple of hedge knights. And I thought about this when I was reading this. I'm like, here we have a maester over at the Citadel. Well, okay, actually, she's a woman, so she wouldn't be <laughs> over at the not Citadel. An, she, an, she might be. She might be the the, the, well, the Sphinx, that, right? She, she might be the Sphinx. I was about to say, Illyria Sand is is a, is a, is a woman who is at the Citadel. Uh huh. Yeah. So so maybe that's what's going on. But you know, someone who's thought about this. Uh, and and writes this writes you know articles for CNN at this at this high level brings these uh, interesting points things that we haven't thought about because you and I I feel like well at least me anyways I, I watch these things and I'm just I love the cinematography I love 
seeing people in in armor and the sword fighting and and things like that, uh, dragons flying around. Those are the things that really get me. And, and the story has been great. And I will and I I will say that it it hasn't gone the way I thought it was going to go either. And I'm if you would to, if you were to throw an extra season in between this and really stretch it out and 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 develop these these um, th- this ending a little bit more. I, I think I think I, I I maybe it would be a little bit um, it would sit a little bit better with folks, but I think they're just out of time, and I just right. don't think that they. Well, you know, this is the nature of not having the source material. I'm well, sorry, they right. they and did not set out to write of, this themselves. They did well, and that's not the only issue though. Is go look at almost any large television show's final seasons. More often than sure. not, they're pretty disappointing because a lot of times what happens is especially in a show like Game of Thrones, half, I would say half this cast, I mean, for starters, most of these people were kids. They didn't really have any acting experience, and it's mm. hard to get people's schedules together. It's hard to get people, could get everything coordinate, coordinated. Sure. Okay. I mean, just, we yeah. talked about the Battle of Winterfell, 55 nights. Uh-huh. Watch that episode. How how much is it, How much of that episode has the characters who we know are involved in a lot of other large productions in it. How much, how much of Sansa Mm -hmm. is actually in that episode? Go like, go look at the minute time. It's not very much Mm. because Mm -hmm. Sophie Turner is also in X-Men and she's, you have a lot of these actors that are now bigger stars and they're involved in more projects. They're also making a lot more money. Um, I mean, Think about how much money you know Liana Hattie's making this season, and how much is she actually in it? She's not in screen time. She's actually not in this season very much. Mm-hmm. I did right. I did see a meme where somebody was somebody said that she has this season is is like literally anyone's perfect job because like ninety percent of her scenes are just staring out a window <laughs> drinking wine, and it's like every it's like everyone's dream everyone's dream job to get paid millions yeah. of dollars to just drink wine and stare out a window so um yeah yeah that's funny. yeah so i mean that's something you have that's something you have to think of. you can look at a ton of shows um you know, the big bang theory uh, i think I, i'm not didn't really watch it but i just i've you know seen it and seen it stuff in the news that, sure. they, that they decided to end it because those characters the the actors are making so much money per episode um because you know, they're bigger stars now and so that's how I think you know Friends was like that. That's what happens to a lot of shows is you have these these characters who are involved in bigger bigger projects and and other other shows. So it's probably hard coordinating everyone. So I I don't know if they would have been able to pull off a ten another ten episode season. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because we were talking like like that. Our, our joke is is at the end of this, there's this the massive cliffhanger, mm-hmm. and you know Game of Thrones the Game of Thrones will continue. Well, what does that mean? Is it actually just gonna uh, continue that we'll have some that we won't write another season or another book, but it will continue. Or is there another season coming out? You know, we, we just kind of joked uh, before we started the show that maybe it's not over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways. All right. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I wanted to point those. I'll, I'll post those articles. And, and again, Kate, I'm sorry for, for butchering your name. Uh, if, if you don't know, I butcher names. It's what I do. It's my job here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paid to do that. So Masandy, um, Masunday. Right. Uh, Miss Miss Indy, you know whatever you want to call her. All right, mm-hmm. I butcher names. All right, uh, let's move on to some uh, some Ravens here. Let's get the let's get the people. All thoughts. right, we have a uh, 
Say, uh, Sir Jose Rodriguez. I think we've read a Raven from him before. Hey guys, love the podcast. Been on board uh, for only two weeks. Okay, maybe not. I was uh, listening to last night's podcast and the conversation about uh, Varys taking off his rings. It was also odd mm. to me. But then I realized Varys from the show, and he's always talked about how he's come from nothing. To my understanding, he knew he was going to die and died as a humble, poor man for the realm. That's what I see him taking his rings off, uh, stripped from the riches and he gathered and died for the greater good. Thanks, guys. Great podcast. Yeah, I oh, think wow. that's certainly one explanation for it. I'm sure they, they probably explained it in the after the mm-hmm. after the show. Um, I And I've talked about this before. I try to avoid those. I don't really like seeing a lot of the production side of it because Game of mm-hmm. Thrones to me is so big and so vast that, especially we're deep book readers, that yeah. I try to stay away as, as far away from that production stuff because I like to keep the um, suspense the uh, of, of belief. Right. I'm thinking of the theater term. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing it. Um, were you were you uh, reality you, like suspend suspend your belief of, of, of reality because okay. you're engaging in a in things, you know, that aren't aren't true. Um, sure. But so I'm sure they probably explained it there. I don't I don't really watch that stuff, but I think that certainly is one one explanation for it. But they 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 gave it. He, he did it so quickly that it didn't seem calculated. It seemed. It seemed like he was in a rush. To, he was in a rush to do it. it. Had he, if he knew they were coming at that moment, he, I think he would have. He would have done it. Um, he would have like already been done. Varys seems like the kind of character who would just be sitting there, you know, with nothing else going on, waiting, yeah. waiting for that moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like the idea as, as you I say as that, well. or, that, that the idea is he's just he came from nothing, and so he has. You know, no riches on him at the end, and just uh, it's kind of kind of a neat way to go. Actually, makes me like Varys more if that's if that's what it, if that's what this is about. It also if if he does have some crazy twist plot or some contingency plan going into the next uh, episode, uh, that'll also make me like him even more. <laughs> so, okay, uh, moving on. Absolutely. Okay, Deb McLean, Lady Deb. Hi guys, found your podcast literally a month ago and love it. Anyway. Just wanted to comment. Everyone is saying John will kill Danny next. Arya will kill Danny next. Everyone seems certain Danny will die in the finale. So here's my question: uh, What about her dragon? He's not going to go quietly into the night, which is no longer dark and full of terrors. If they kill his mother, you can't poison him. He's too big. There are no scorpion weapons left, and a fire probably feels like a massage and facial to him. So just wondering. By the way, is this a raven? It looks like face Facebook Messenger. Anyway, love the podcast. Until the sun rises in the west, I am Diva Deb of the house. I am no lady. That's not me. Uh, first of all, yes, you can message us either on the Facebook page, which goes into an inbox, or on our email, btkcast at gmail.com, which I guess, by the way, somebody else sent us a raven and said, do you guys know that was a serial killer? I didn't until somebody had mentioned it. I think, Say I think, what? B, I guess there was a BTK kill, serial killer um, at some point. I think it was – I looked it up. I looked, <laughs> I, looked, I looked it up once. I think it was in England. Um, so anyway, I had to I had to look it up. I, I didn't know anything about it, but that's what Jeez we chose. Me. So anyway, <laughs> yes, to your, to your original question, yes, what will happen with Drogon if Danny dies in the finale? <clears throat> My guess is he just – kind of flies off i guess yeah 
maybe i mean in the books you know when another targaryen has killed other when when targaryens fight or have killed each other and things those dragons tend to go away or go for, go away for a cycle and then they come back and another you know younger uh targaryen would claim that dragon because the dragon seemed to live uh for quite some time so if it is that John will take the throne and he has to kill Danny and then the dragon maybe just chills out, I don't know. Might be distraught. Who knows? Maybe depends on who kills uh, Danny. If it's Arya, well, right. then if she Dan- might get if Danny does even die. dragon fire, if she even dies, true. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't feel like anyone's gonna kill the dragon though. Actually, I right. Maybe they will. I mean, it's gonna be tough to do though. That's gonna be a big deal. And if John is a Targaryen, then you know, he could have kids and his kids could maybe later claim that uh, that dragon or hers, whatever. Yeah. Good so. question. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't know what's going to happen to the dragon. Maybe it flies off. The well, way that the way the, the way this season's going, maybe maybe they just kind of forgot Drogon was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe they did. Uh, someone sent us a meme. And I can't remember who it was, and so I apologize because we literally have over five, six hundred ravens now. Uh, who said since that meme that said, "Well, I guess it only took one dragon," mm-hmm. or you know, she had the, Danny had that look on her face, and we only needed one dragon, and she you know torched the whole city, and it was kind of like, "Oh yeah, really? One dragon's all you need." So yeah, but yeah, I think he'll make it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, here we go. Here's a, here's a negative one. This is from Brand. Uh, let's see, Sir. Sir or Lord Brandon Kozar. I don't think there's any relation to Bernie Kozar, the Cleveland Browns quarterback from back in the day. But we'd like to know. We would yeah. like to know. Please let us, please let us know. <laughs> I'm sorry, gentlemen, but the Game of Thrones showrunners, D&D, have totally fumbled the end of Thrones. 180, uh, just 180 degree, I think is what he means, character turns, forced actions, loose plot elements everywhere. Please don't try to rationalize what this is. All right. Call it what it is, crap. What a waste of six amazing seasons. So I'm guessing he thinks season seven is not very good. D&D was down and wanted, I think he means done, was done and wanted to move Uh on. Fine. Then pass the show off to writers who had the motivation to invest the proper time and energy. Stop trying to shine this turd. What a joke, Brandon. (laughs) But hey, that's how, that's what we said. A lot of, a lot of people feel that way with this season and, um, like yeah. I, like I, like I, like I've said this... I I I don't think so but I I'm if the for the to the people who are really upset I completely understand why you are. I can I can definitely I can definitely see that. Yeah, the only thing, you know what uh to Brandon here, what when I think and, and anyone who kind of uh, really really wants to harp on the showrunners Actually, in the CNN article, that was that was something that uh, was said as well. It's just that, like, when they ran out of source material, okay, now now there's nothing. But you know, the issue is, and we talked about this with um, a couple other podcasts where we we were doing some collaborations uh, last week, and I, I I think about how he gave them certain elements and said this is how the story is going to end, and they had to get those characters there. So they then have to fill in the blanks, and they don't know how all of that ties up and I get there are there are some in, inconsistencies and things like that but I I'm trying to think I don't I'm not a huge uh, I don't I don't watch a lot of other TV shows and I read the books I read the book series I'm a big uh, book nerd so is there another show to book series out there where 
they ran out of source material and the showrunners had to finish writing something that someone else had started. You know what I mean? That's completely... They, they, they kind of know, like, all right, here's the final battle, but we well, there's two think, books worth of material. Well, to be fair, I think a lot of comic books and a lot of comic book movies, but again, then you're only making one movie, so it's not like you're making 73 episodes. 73 hour, 73 hour plus episodes, but a lot of comic books, I don't think they, I don't think they go verbatim. We're drawing from this comic book only. They draw from a bunch of things, so they still have to kind of piece a bunch of elements together and kind of get what they want to happen. Um, you know, right? But they're they're doing that based off of a, a finished product most of the time. Is that right? Like a yeah, finished but comic but book still, series, right? But they're still or it's. Yeah, but they're taking a handful of comics. Like, for example, uh, the you can look at the the DC universe. Um, Batman vs Superman draws a lot of inspiration from several different comic books that aren't entirely similar. Um, a lot of it is you can draw from the world world's finest, which uh, is where Batman and Superman first meet, and then you have the no, the um, Dark Knight Returns, where Batman is super old and he comes back. Uh, it's heavily drawn from that, and then they end up fighting, and Batman uh, beats Superman in that in the arc. But you're you're but Wonder Woman isn't involved in in those, but she is in the in the movie. So you still have let's get from point A to point B, do it however you want. And then they said, okay, well let's draw from this arc, let's draw from this arc, let's draw from this. So it's still yeah, you have general mm-hmm. ideas, but let's kind of piece this piece this together so you still have all of the source material and you're still somewhat writing the story on your own i think i think i think it's i think it's i think it's pretty similar you just but because the you just there you have a little bit less to work with but in when you look at these comic book movies it's all over the place i mean you could draw from any comic you wanted yeah, and, and you also I, the the way I look at that is you've got a finished. We have no idea what the ending of this of this is going to be. Like no clue. We're still two books away from uh, well, in, in the series kind and, of and, figuring out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Where we're going to be? Yeah. Oh, uh, real quick. I just and and George R. R. Martin hasn't even fi- fin- figured out how to finish it yet, to our knowledge. Heck no, because <laughs> it's taken him six years no. to f- to figure it out. It, and he does say that it uh, that his uh, his writing is it, things kind of grow. That character kind of grew on me, so I kept him around, or uh, various things like that. And it, the I don't know the the story grows in the writing, so that's hard, right? So it's it's growing, and people have asked him, is he going to change the ending based on all this? And he's like, no, I'm not. I've laid down a foundation. It just would not make sense uh, to do that. But he has this clever way in which he's going to wrap all of this up, and I just think it is it is a an, an enormous task to say you had thick, thick, I mean, four, f- five really thick books to, to pull from. And then now, you know, we're, it's, they have to wrap this up on their own with, with mm-hmm. nothing. And that's where people are saying they've fallen short because without the source material there, they weren't able to kind of do it, but they, they had, they were restricted in knowing, well, this character, what we've done up to this point, we thought we were going to have one more book to help us. It didn't land. And then now we have to figure out how to get what George told us years ago was that these characters had to get to this point. And we've been doing this through. So it's just it's just tough because I think they really thought I think George also said we, they, we all thought Winds of Winter was going to be out in time for them to use 
going into this. So you look at the first several seasons, they're really using him as a guide. And then when he's gone, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I, I like to remind people about that fact because I think it's, it's a super tough position to be in. If, if Dave and Dan are from the get go are writing their own story and finishing it, not doing an adaptation, they might've done things. Yeah. Obviously, wow. Well, they would have done, been a completely different story, obviously, but uh, I don't know. It's just tough, man. That's, that's all. Well, and you look at, point and, out. and, and another thing to think about is since the source material wasn't finished, there are so many characters in the books that never made it into the show that in in the books, especially I think obviously the easiest one to point out is Lady Stoneheart. Lady Stoneheart mm-hmm. drastically changes the books to the show. I mean, drastically changes. Mm-hmm. She is that important of a character. Young yeah. Griff is a massively important character in, in the yes. books and, yes. and would drastically alter where we're at in the show. But, so so there's because yeah. because possibly the books didn't get finished, they said, well, let's not go this route. And then that that changes all so many arcs that they would have going forward. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got to think about that too, because you have to start weeding stuff out. And then once you've weeded once you've weeded stuff out that you don't want to have from the books, you're you're left with not a lot of story left to tell. Because the story that they've actually told in this last season and this season isn't really a lot. I mean, they, it, I think, yeah. I think when the books come out, it's going to seem so watered down. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think, I think about, I think that the Harry Potter, yeah. I think about like, I think the Harry Potter books to the, to movies are a pretty decent adaptation of keeping about as much source material as they can. And I think okay. the movie that suffers the most is Goblet of Fire because you know the first book is really light because it's meant for a younger audience and the audience grows as you, as you go throughout the Harry Potter books the third one not really a lot happens in in the third Harry Potter mm-hmm. book when you get to the fourth one there's so much content that that happens um i mean by by like chapter 5 so so much happens in the movie they skip over they fly over so much because they just don't have the time so that's something else you have to think about mm-hmm. in, with the show they just don't have the time to to explain to explain all these plot plot points but then once you once you hit that point where they ran out of source material it's like well now we have nothing left because we've already cut so much it's not like we can go back and bring that stuff forward because they did try to do mm-hmm. that we you're on Greyjoy killing killing Balon Greyjoy in the books happens way earlier than it does in the show Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, in the in the in season, you know, they had to they had to bring that in later, in the seasons. Right. Yeah, I know it's it, it's it is a it, well. So you agree? It's it's a task and a half. Absolutely. I mean, really? Yeah. To, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all the the I mean, numerous amounts of characters and storylines and threads happening at the end of the Dance of Dragons and, and and a Feast for Crows. It there's just so much going on there, and then we thought we'd have Winds of Winter to kind of. To guide us through, even if you merge, like we've talked about the merging of Stannis and, and John in their character in the Battle of the Bastards, like I think they thought they were going to have some some material for that. And, and I'm sure they got some guidance from George, but, you know, so, he, he yeah, can't I mean, give away everything. Yeah, so right? I mean, I mean easily, easily the thing to tell here with, with, with Dan and Dave is that, okay, they seem to be pretty good showrunners. They don't seem to be mm-hmm. good writers. Because before they're just writing, yeah, they were just yeah. writing material that was given to them, and they did a really good job of, 
of depicting that. I mean, mm-hmm. you can look at some of the episodes of the season. I mean, the Battle of Winterfell, regardless of whether you could, it was it was you know you just got to turn the brightness up. If you just watch that as a standalone episode, it's really it's visually. I mean, it's amazing to watch. The story mm-hmm. element of it is where you're sitting there going, okay, what exactly is going on here? Some of this doesn't make sense. This previous episode, The Bells, I mean, it's visually stunning to watch Daenerys just torch the city um, and mass chaos ensue. See, it, it may not, it, it doesn't, I don't think it, it, you know, I definitely see why people are upset. They're like, this, to the story, this doesn't make sense. But watching it, I'm like, this is really good. There's been a lot of super cool moments this season. Jenny's song, I thought, was a really cool moment and it was shot really well and it really yeah. made us think everyone's going to die this next episode. Everyone's going to die. I thought Brienne's Brienne's knighting ceremony was another scene that was just shot really cool. But again, I Dan and Dave just aren't good apparently aren't just good writers and then it really doesn't help when in the after the episode thing after the episode uh, whatever that is, sure. the breakdown, or, yeah. you say things like, well, Danny just kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet because it makes you look lazy, which people are already accusing you of being. Yeah, I see. You know, the one thing I will say, just to, then we'll move off of this, uh, the long night, I understand what you say, like like the, the elements that were kind of confusing, and they were the writers for that. Uh, in the Bells, though, that episode, I thought there it was much more, I understood what was happening. I felt it was more cohesive and... I, I got what was happening, even if I didn't like where the story was going and I didn't like that Danny was becoming, you know, um, the Mad Queen. I still understood everything. There weren't issues that, that I think a lot of people saw in the, lo- in the Long Night. People had a lot of grievances with the Long Night, but in the, in the Bells, I think it's more just that, why are these characters turning this way? Right. And you don't have that build up, as you said, or that extra season in between to kind of show her losing it or cracking over time or, or, or whatever. So I thought that, the bells was was fairly well written, but maybe the long night uh, suffered a little bit. I don't I don't know. Yeah. So it was okay. All right, we'll okay. we'll we'll leave the showrunners alone because they're they're kidding. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. They they direct and they write this next episode. By the way, well so. that's gonna take a F- lot of finishing. people off. So. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like it's it's, it's we're finishing with them. Okay. Through and through, they 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 direct it and write it. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, it's from Keith Trey. Hagen. Uh. For follow-up Friday, if you don't already have too many Ravens this week, I have a new theory, kind of. One thing I noticed in episode 5 was that after the bells rang, you saw you only saw Drogon the rest of the episode, and you never saw Danny's face at all. I'm hoping it was so they would not spoil her expression of horror watching her dragon burn all the innocent people in King's Landing. I've watched the episode quite a few times, trying to dissect the scenes, and whatever I got, whenever I got back, when I, whenever I got to the brand flashback scene, it just seemed off. The dragon clearly looked like it was heading right for the Red Keep, and then it just starts burning people. It wasn't burning people on the way in the initial scene. He's talking about the brand flashback scene uh, from uh-huh. earlier yeah. when he would touch the weirwood tree. Uh, and combining that yeah. with binge listening to your podcast that I have fresh in my mind, it got me thinking. Do you think Bran could have warred, warged Drogon at that moment and chose to burn those innocents to make Daenerys look like the monster in the eyes of everyone else. He has been surprisingly idle through the whole season, and I feel like it's been on purpose. My theory is that he's been scheming the whole time, quietly weaving the events leading up to this point. His intentions aren't really evil or good. They just are. I don't want to keep uh, writing. I feel like it's already been too much, but if that sounds interesting, you guys, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Just finishing listening up to your follow-up Friday about the Thread Crow. 
and it's connecting to the other and whatnot. And it just got me thinking either way, keep doing what you're doing. Love your podcast. Good sirs. Bend the knee. Also, one thing I was hoping for this season to see Bran Warg Viserion and turn him against the Night King, but that didn't happen. And I was super uh, blown up. Uh, I was super down, yeah. super down about it. So this might just be wishful thinking. Well, I, I like this. So uh, th- is this uh, Sir Keith, right? Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, I think. Yeah. So Sir Keith, this is, I, I this is kind of crazy. I I don't think I think you know when she first takes off, we do it does look more like it's her intent to do the burning, you know to to uh, take on after the city. Like when you first see her in that, I get his point is that after that we don't really see her face anymore. I'd have to go back and watch it again just to double check that. But I feel like you saw her sitting there. The bells are ringing, and then she kind of urges her dragon to go do what he's going to do. Now, maybe she just meant, urged her dragon to go up and take out Cersei. And as he's saying, perhaps Bran intervenes and deviates the dragon off course and we don't see her crying on her dragon trying to stop him. You know, that would be that would be nuts if, if that happened. But uh, I don't know. That's that's a lot to kind of I keep thinking and this is, you know, Sir Keith is in the same spot that I am. I keep thinking Bran's, you know, doing something or something's going down or he's he's warging and doing different things. But uh you know, for example, we have Lady Shannon who also said, "Wild thought, but could Bran have warged into the horse to save Arya?" So warg into the dragon to destroy everybody, warg into the horse to save Arya, and then my response to her is just, you know, uh, you know nothing, Brandon Stark. I mean, the, no, the answer is no. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 a wild thought, um, and I'm, I keep hoping there's some crazy twist like that, but it's just it's just not going to happen. I keep thinking, as Sir Keith said. You know, I was hoping he would warg into um, the Ice Dragon or, or would do something cool with the Night King, and it just never happens. So, yeah. Sir Matt? Yeah, I would I'd be... I think we will get something with Bran this next episode. I've always I, I've always thought it would be kind of cool if it ended with Bran. I, not, not like sitting there in throne or anything, but just something to do with him. Because the first chapter in the book, after, after the prologue, is Bran. So our story yeah. begins with him. Even if you just watch the first mm-hmm. episode of the show, it, it 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 really begins with him. He's the one who gets pushed out of the window. He's the one who is watching Ned Stark behead some person. Mm-hmm. Behead, behead that that guy from the Night's Watch who who ran away. And so I, I just thought it would be kind of cool if it if it started that way and and ended that way. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's going to just because. Sure. Bran missed an entire season. It seems like the show has kind of not really know what to do with him. The The problem mm-hmm. is once you give him the ability to travel in time, he becomes kind of a super weapon. And then. Yeah, you it's can... hard. It's it's hard because once, yeah. once you introduce time travel to any sort of any sort of story, it, it really kind of messes things up because then it becomes almost too easy for, for a storyteller. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I get you. Uh, I hear that. Okay, let's move on to uh, Lady Ashley here. Uh, she says, It looks like the final episode will have Danny murdered by John or Arya with John's face. Bittersweet ending, but I'm then hoping she ends up going back to the tent with Drogo and her, f- and her son uh, from the vision in the House of the Undying. It would be a bittersweet ending, and I will surely cry, uh, Lady Ashley. So just, I guess, kind of a nice thought there that she would be at peace really 
you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that would be nice to see. I I don't know that I don't know that we're into writing happy endings anymore though with with Game of Thrones or that anything's gonna be po- well you know semi poetic. Well, remember when remember it was a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the the ending that we would all least expect would be a happy one. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I so I I don't yeah I don't, that would that, that would be a at shocker. this point that's definitely not happening. But uh huh yeah yeah I do think I do could think you imagine though. I think what's going to happen like, is you know what? an ending. I think we're all going to get an ending we all disapprove of, and that's what will be bittersweet. <laughs> is that mm-hmm. is that well, at least the Lannisters didn't win, or at least the Night King didn't mm-hmm. win, and because everyone has everyone has their favorite that they want to they want to sit the Iron Throne, and so then nobody gets nobody gets what they want, and so that yeah, that's gonna I hear you yeah okay. All right, let's move on here. So we have uh, Sir Andrew, Sir Andrew Liptock uh, says, "Hey guys, I also wanted uh, your opinion on the character arcs of the Hound and Jamie. Everyone seems very happy with how the Hound's, the Hound's story arc ended, uh, but didn't like how Jamie's did, which confuses me as they are basically the same. They both started off as bad, had a redemption arc, and ended with going back to the one thing that their entire lives have been focused around." The only difference is that the Hound went back to something the audience wanted him to do, killing the mountain, while Jamie didn't. He went back to trying to save Cersei. So my question is, how can Jamie's character arc be ruined uh, while the Hounds be fine or okay? Sir Matt? So I think one of the things people like about the Hound's arc is that the Hound is doing something which most people view as good. He's killing the mountain which we know mm-hmm. is a bad guy. He also has that moment with Arya where he it's kind of a, that final goodbye moment and he tells her you you need to get out of here cuz you don't want to die. I or, and I and I mm-hmm. don't I don't want you to die. So he's showing he's always been this character who's been rough around the edges, never really had anything in his life that was seemed good at all except for this relationship yeah. he's had he's had with Arya, this almost father-daughter type relation right. type relationship. And so I thought that that was something that people enjoyed. And then he also goes out in a pretty epic moment. He kills his brother with fire. Um it's something that his life has been focused around. So I think I think it's I think it's more than just oh he, him killing his brother, which is the thing his life has been has been focused on, but also that he had that moment with Arya and his impact and his impact on on her life. And the Hound has also been somewhat of a character in a way, kind of like Theon, we've seen the Hound. He left at the Battle of the Blackwater. He was, and then he also didn't want to fight during the Battle uh, Winterfell in the Long Night episode, where mm-hmm. and Barristan Darian has to say, "Then look at Arya," and Arya actually gives him strength. So I think, yeah. I think, I yeah. think that's really been his arc. Jamie, right. I think people don't like because we always thought Jamie would. I think a lot of people thought he would kill Cersei. Is that he would have to kill her, and right he because didn't. she is he, the ultimate he, villain. Right, she's yeah. the ultimate villain. He ends up going. He ends up going back to her. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe in the books it'll be explained a little bit more, where he's kind. Mm-hmm. He's kind of comforting her in in the last moment, which is kind of what he's doing here. He does still go mm-hmm. back to Cersei. He goes. He goes back to. It's some. It's something that sometimes 
we see characters' emotions, but when you read the book, you get a little more of why that emotion is important. It's it's possible it's possible that it's I mean he does he does talk about I want to go back to Cersei and he has that moment he has that moment with Brienne. Um mm-hmm. but it's possible that in the books when we get to read you know if we had the script and the script, and we could, we could read the script they they explain some of those emotions. It's not just Cersei, yeah. it's also Cersei and his potential child who he's never really had good relationships sure. with, with any of his children. So there could be there could be that element in it too. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't come across that way in the show, which I know is why a lot of people have. So I'm really interested to see in the books if it does go the same way, if we get a little bit more of Jamie's emotions. And so we get to see if that is something he he takes in because he he does say none of that matters. Uh, but it could just be he's, uh-huh. he's he could just be him saying none of that matters because he's tries trying to console her in, in this moment. Sure. And not think, and yeah. not yep. just it doesn't matter. It's just you and I. you are the only people that matter. Yeah, I, I remember like uh was it last season, right, where we all were kinda wondering whether she actually had a baby or was she just saying that to kind of manipulate him because she knew uh how 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 that would how she could use that against him or keep him near. But you know, when he is with um Brienne and he's thinking about I actually have to make a correction. Last week I was I kinda thought he was going to see Cersei and knew she was going to use the, he was going back to be on the winning side. But then I thought, you know, he doesn't actually know that she's using all of those people as like a shield. So when he gets there, I thought, well, actually, he could have maybe then gone up and confronted her and said, this is this is not right. Escape with me, all, all that kind of stuff. So I don't think he knew what her plans were. He was just going back to be with his sister and and to, to stay on her side. And as you say, if there's a baby involved, this is the chance that he has to kind of actually be the father that he never could be, really. So you can see why he would want to go back i wish they would have brought that out that part of it up a little bit more and it wasn't just the cersei piece but yeah i i i, I don't know and actually we have a raven, a raven later on about euron's that whole confrontation between Tyrion and cersei and why euron euron didn't pick up on the him being the father type of thing or not being the father so yeah yeah um okay i do have a quick i'm gonna kind of summarize this because it's a it's a bit long um, talking about the bells, uh, this is kind of a rebuttal to Danny and Jamie's arc of um, hate. So we have Cole here. Let me pull this up. Uh, let's see. Cole says, just needed to get some stuff off my chest and say my opinion on this incredible episode that keeps people t- uh, that people keep tearing apart. Mainly, I want to talk about Danny and Jamie uh, and the complaints against them. That uh, yeah, so he's gonna try to keep this brief, and I will too. <laughs> Let's see here, it's long. Uh, Danny, everyone seems to agree that Danny's descent to madness was rushed and poorly executed on the writer's part, and I can understand the argument and have no gripe with it, but I disagree. I could go into details on all the signs that showed her capability uh, to be merci- uh, merciless and the possibility that she could become mad. Uh, but more and more people are becoming aware and open to these points. So I'll focus on the rushed argument. However, I want to point out that she has killed innocent people before. While definitely not uh, the same as thousands of women and children, she burnt alive um, a high lo- uh, burnt alive a high lord in Marine, uh, for which she had no personal beef with and no evidence of any crimes, while seeming to enjoy this display of power. Uh, and the same can be said for the crucifying of the masters, of which some were fighting against the same thing she was, as we found out later. 
so don't tell me she's the only that uh, don't tell me she's only killed bad people. Okay. In my opinion, things fell, fell into place beautifully for Danny to make this turn. Uh, all of her loss created an emptiness in which she had never felt. The one thing she had fought for for her entire life ended up not being hers to claim, and she lost almost all of her closest advisors, uh, quote, children and friends, aside from Tyrion, who she no longer trusts, and Grey Worm, who is going mad himself at this point. Not to mention these deaths have happened in front of her eyes. We can see these things affecting her, and it's clear that she is slowly losing herself. Okay, let me move on down here. Uh, I believe it was her emptiness after she had won uh, that broke her, and I truly don't understand why this, why is it so bad, um, what is so bad about her just snapping. It has been referenced over and over again how madness is in her bloodline. I, uh, I know people thought uh, she should have just flown to the Red Keep, but this wouldn't have been a true display of madness. So what is clearly, um, which is clearly what they were going for. And they do talk about, you know, in the show, the flipping of the coin and, and the Targaryen um, blood and all of that good stuff. So uh, there's that. Let me move on to the Jamie arc here. Uh, Jamie's final acts were not out of character at all. He always loved Cersei and pretty much every bad thing that he's done was for her. Not every arc is a redemption arc. The brilliance of the show is the human heart and character and the illustration of how events change people and the inner battle between um, and the inner battle people have with themselves. Jamie always struggled with who he is. I think of it uh, like a drug addiction, uh, a drug addict, excuse me, who got clean but then relapsed. Uh, sometimes life is tragic and so Jamie kind of reverting back uh, after all his positive progression, in my opinion, is extremely impactful as a viewer. Uh, Brienne helped Jamie become a better person, and yes, he loved her, but this wasn't enough to make him lose his love for Cersei, which was always more powerful. Uh, I would have liked seeing him kill her, but after some uh, digestion, I actually think this ending for him is more uh, Germ-esque, and it makes perfect sense. So I'll leave it that there. There's the um, had a lot more, but I think that's the kind of gist of of his thoughts. And that, you know, so we got a little bit on Danny and laying some of the foundation for why she would become the Mad Queen. And and I think a lot of people's gripes are it just happens too fast, or maybe those references are too subtle because there's a lot of other good things that she's doing. And you hear Tyrion saying that he believes in her, and that Tyrion's a character that we've we've uh, grown to love and believe in from the beginning and get behind. And then he, you know, is, is exalting Danny. And so it's hard to see all those, you know, shortcomings and, and, and faults, I guess, or those cracks in Danny, because you have someone like Tyrion in front of her, uh, that's masking all of that. So there's that. And then the Jamie piece, we, we talked about, uh, there as well. So, mm-hmm. all right. So that, that was from Cole. Uh, I just want to get those thoughts out there. I'm sure we'll have some, some thoughts in the Facebook group on that as well. All right, let's move on here, sir, Matt. <clears throat> we still got quite a few to cover. I we think. do, yeah. So let's 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 just read read some of these here. Um, so is this one the one from Sir David? Uh, sir David. Yes, yeah, Sir David. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi. Uh, just want to say I enjoy your podcast. I enjoy listening to your thoughts and reflections and sh- of the show and characters. And mostly, I enjoy that you aren't negative like other commentators out there. Well, not today's episode. Uh, With that being said, (laughs) I have a couple of comments. The first one 
being around Cersei and Euron Greyjoy. While Tyr when Tyrion pleaded to Cersei to surrender, he mentioned her pregnancy, and it didn't seem to raise any concerns with Euron. I thought that was peculiar. Then Euron squares off with Jamie in the Bells episode, and he told Jamie I hooked up with the Queen. I wish Euron had told Jamie, and I put a prince in her uh, and a prince in her belly, and Jamie should have told Euron that the baby belonged to him. Uh -huh. It would have been great to see Euron realize that Cersei was manipulating him all along right before he dies. My second comment is in the defense of Daenerys' switch of character. When you think about it, the only uh, people Daenerys had to trust were Grey Worm and Masande. And at one point she believed she could trust Jorah, but then she discovered she couldn't. She was betrayed by her uh, handmaiden Dora in, in Karth. She is given bad advice by Tyrion and questions his loyalty. She questions Varys' loyalty, and now she feels betrayed by Jon and Sansa. She only had uh, Masande and Grey Worm to trust, and before she is beheaded, Masande tells her Dracarys, and all Grey Worm knows is violence. This is what he told Masande. And that's all Danny has to secure her place in Westeros. It was very heartbreaking. But for every victory that Danny has had, she has known betrayal and disappointed by her closest advisors as well. She has her final actions. So her final action to uh, set King's Landing on fire makes sense. Like an innocent child who violently takes away one toy from another child, Danny secured her place in the world. And at this point, I have no predictions for the final episode. It's all up in the air. <laughs> I look forward to hearing your predictions and final thoughts on the last episode. Cheers, Sir David. Wow. You know, I was actually. As you were reading that, and I'm, I'm thinking through this, her conquering of Essos versus her conquering of Westeros, it, they're completely different because I think what she's fighting in Essos is different than what she's fighting in Westeros. She's fighting like slavery and, and, and different things over there. And the, the evil just seems to be more in our face, I guess. And I, I don't know, it, it, even though, yeah, she, she kills a bunch of innocents here. It's this really twisted way of, of looking at... Um, a society, I guess, that's gone so far bad that it just needs Thanos. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, to, essentially. You know, use right. I mean, so I don't know. Maybe that was part of it. It, it just there's there's some commentary there on the political setup or the the corruption, I guess, that's in everyone that that this it's just so festering. It's such a uh, it just it just needs to be a wound that needs to be completely gutted cleaned out cut clean rinsed and everything and just start over maybe that's sort of the idea um but yeah it is it is it's it's heartbreaking to watch because we love danny so much and we think there's a better way to do it and we want people to love her but she's a foreigner to them you know so mm -hmm. that's that's sort of the, what she what she is fighting against and that's sort of why she when she loses her advisors and those people who kind of she has nothing you know she she has her 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 dragon and that is it. She is pretty. She is alone. You know, she's got John half-heartedly standing there, but I mean, she feels like he's she's losing him to Sansa and, and Arya. So I really feel for. Her. So, anyways, yeah. Thanks, Sir David. Right. Good thoughts there. Enjoyed yeah. that. Um. Okay. I'll let you read this next one, Sir Ezra. Yeah. This is from Lady Amy of uh House. Uh, how do we say her name? Uh, Gauss. 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 I think. Gauss. Goose. Yeah. Goose. Lady Amy, our, you won our trivia. trivia, so make sure you hit us up. Yeah, <laughs> trivia winner, mother of wildlings. Uh, here we go. Good day, sirs. I needed to send a raven um, many, many times after episode after episode five, uh, and burned a few in the process. <laughs> I must say, I feel like a minority in loving the season. 
all of the episodes we have had in the past um, 10 question mark years. We are watching the TV series uh, that has impacted, inspired, and created such spirited discussion, dedication, and debate that I feel like we cannot, um, I feel like we cannot not cha uh, champion it. I refuse to let go of my passion for it, and I will not feel bad for not being disappointed any longer. Here we go. Somebody's getting fired up here. Staying positive. Uh, when episode six is done, uh, that is when I can make my final judgments, similar to what Sir Mattis said. Uh, I am not a writer, nor do I play one um, on TV, so I can only imagine what they go through to get to where they are. Um, I commend them for doing what they see fit and allowing us to go along for the ride. In episode 5, one of my biggest takeaways was Cersei's death. So many people have hated it, they wanted something better, and they wanted it to be by the hand of one of our heroes. Uh, first of all, we need to stop calling characters in this story uh, and series hero or villain. They all have character traits in both categories, and therefore we cannot simply place them in one box. Cersei was a terrible person for sure. She had made decisions that seemed irrational and fueled by something, uh, far, uh, something more than hate and rage. She is, however, motivated by her family and children and being a mom. I hate even saying this. Uh, I can almost relate. I would do something fierce for my boys. Taking her situations and plot lines and background, I can almost, almost is a key word here, understand why she did the things she did. But, but, taking away an honorable death by the hand of someone, by the hand of someone, and instead having her cower in the, in the dragon room uh, in sheer panic and being crushed by the castle that wasn't really hers to begin with, was poetic. What would, what would she have done if someone came at her with a sword, a knife? Fight? Have we ever seen her physic, physically in, in combat with anyone? No. She is a mental fighter and a master manipulator. Seeing her break down and seeing that emotion was perfect for me. Perfect, I say. For episode six, I have uh, saved this bold theory, reveal until now, just for this raven. I want to see Tyrion take the throne, and here is how I see it happening. Danny will not Danny will not survive now. She will die for her decisions and burning the city. Arya will see to that. John does not want the throne, and I really, really cannot see him sitting there. That would just feel so wrong and out of character. He will finally go north. Where? Maybe Winterfell, maybe further, but he will not stay. Sansa and Tyrion will come to an agreement between the North and the South. Sansa is right where she should be, and the only person I can see ruling King's Landing with justice and peace and fairness is Tyrion. I feel we uh, were set up with that notion as he championed for the surrender via the Bells. Notice the name, notice the title, right? Uh, he is capable and has the knowledge to rule, and it would make so much sense for him to take the throne. Serving as the hand of the king... Uh, the master of coin and now the hand of the queen has conditioned him to get right up there uh, and sit with power and dignity. It is bold, but man, I have felt this for ages now and it feels good to get it out there. Love the podcast, love the Facebook group, and I sincerely appreciate your patrons and discussions. Thank you, Lady Amy. Uh, awesome. I mean, that's now Lady Amy. What, what people are going to say is that sounds like a, a nice ending. That sounds real nice, doesn't it? Uh, 
maybe maybe the bitterness is that is that Danny you know dies, yeah, and, and all of that with Arya. Mm-hmm. So, but I yeah, interesting. I I think Sansa and Tyrion do make it, and there is going to be there's going to be something between those two that they're going to have to figure out how to maybe rule the seven kingdoms or or not rule them or split them up or what have you. But uh, yeah, I think they'll be there in the end. And I I kind of agree. I don't want to see John um, sitting on the uh, on the Iron Throne. That's not something I'm really interested in. So it's not something he, I'd be okay it's not, with. It's not something John's interested in. I I, I would still like the idea of somebody yeah. who's been who's been vying for it taking it. Sure, sure. Yeah. If there even is an Iron Throne. Right. Yeah, we don't. Was it destroyed? Are they going to walk up to it and see it destroyed? I mean, what's what's going on <laughs> with the throne? So, all right. Well, let's let's keep. Uh, should we should we keep kind of plowing through here? Yeah, I think we have one here from Lady Shannon from Ontario, yeah. Canada. Um, okay, yep. here, uh, sirs, Matt and Ezra, loving the podcast as always. After the most recent episode, I have a lot of things about season eight, but let's focus on Daenerys. A lot of thoughts. I want to start off by saying that I fully support the Mad King- Queen storyline. There has been set up for it, and it fits well in Danny's arc for her to end up becoming the kind of villain slash tyrant she once sought to overthrow. That being said, I'm not thrilled uh, with how the show has handled her transition into madness, specifically in season eight. As many other people have said, a lot of the storylines in this season feel very rushed. Danny's is one of them. At the end of episode four, Daenerys was paranoid about Jon and rightfully super pissed about the death of Masande and Rhaegal. The anger is directed at Cersei, the person responsible for those losses. Instead of taking the opportunity to kill Cersei and get revenge, she decides to attack the people of King's Landing and nearly lets Cersei escape. At this point, there was next to no reason for Danny to take the path she chose. She has spent much of her life fighting to protect the sort of people she chose to slaughter. I've seen people reference Danny's past actions as support for her current madness, but those examples don't really hold up. Mira Mazder, uh, Pyat Pri, the Slave Masters of Astapor and Marine, the Harpies, the Kals and Vase Dothrak, the Lannister Army, those were all enemies who actively threatened her rule and the better world she wanted to create. Mm-hmm. She fought to give better lives to common people who have lived under the tyranny of uh, various rulers. That's why she wants to break the wheel to stop it from crushing those on the ground. I understand her madness is ironic because it contradicts all of these things, but the transition wasn't wasn't given enough time to develop naturally. She fell on the outside from the moment she went north, but the paranoia didn't really start until about episode three when she learns of John's parentage. Well, she learns of John's parentage in episode two. Um, sure, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, the episodes are long, but they're was still only two or so episodes to develop such a huge plot point. Not even the Mad King Ares went crazy this quickly. It took years for him to get from paranoia about his advisors and allies to burn them all. Sure, he did mm-hmm. suffer the losses that Danny did, but she'd suffered many losses in her life already and used that pain to destroy her enemies with fire and blood. The people of King's Landing were not her enemy. There has been so mm-hmm. many amazing things in the last five episodes these last five episodes that I really want to love every moment of it, but I'm having a hard time because of things like this. It feels like important things are being pushed aside to focus on the less significant, like uh, Dane bowl, uh, Euron versus Jamie <laughs> and the gain bowl. Just my opinion. So these, so feel free to disagree. Lady Shannon, Ontario, Canada winter is finally over. Yeah. 
I, I want to say quickly, Lady Shannon kind of, I, I like the way we set this up because we read a lot of people who said that we can see how the turn works. Uh, we can see the groundwork that was laid. And then Lady Shannon also points out that, well, those people were enemies. You know, and the, and the hard part about what's happening with King's Landing is that they're super innocent. So, you know, you get it. It, it, it just comes down to, I, I think it goes back to what you wanted to see, what you expected to see, what makes sense. Uh, yeah, it, could, could you have set this up better? And if you had more time, drawn this out and, and really shown her isolated and, and things like that uh, and, and trying to do what was right, but it wasn't working and everything she tried at Essos, if they, if we would have had the time, doesn't work. And, you know, so it's, she's now over here playing the air quote Game of Thrones and she doesn't want to play. It, it just, it just, it, she's not, um, it's not how she won in Essos. And so, yeah, I don't know. I like this, though. I like the different perspective. So, okay. So, uh, thanks, Lady Shannon. Let's move on. We have uh, Sir David the Blacksmith of House Firewood. Wow. Whose words are, work smart, work hard. I like it. Here we go. I am truly baffled. How are so many people surprised by what Danny did in the last episode? They've been building up... Uh, They've been building up from the, that. I'm sorry. They've been building up to that from the very beginning. Don't get me wrong. She's done incredibly good things, freeing slaves and so on. Uh, but this part of her her persona has been growing over time. She has been laser focused on winning the Iron Throne from day one, and has been crystal clear that she will let nothing and no one stand in her way. She has. Uh, she's had enough bad things happen to her to push to push Gandhi over the edge. Uh, physical abuse, children killed, friends killed, numerous betrayals, you name it. This is who she is. Danny doesn't just defeat her enemies. She kills them, usually in horrible, horribly gruesome ways, and with absolutely no sign of regret. This is the most predictable plot twist of all time. How on earth can so many people be surprised by it? They telegraphed this so much, uh, Samuel Morse rose up from his grave to file a lawsuit. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, this is interesting, it's neat, you know, because you have their Lady Shannon, now we've got Sir David, people going back and forth on, on, on Danny's turn, on, on this madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people say, I mean, I think, I think there has been plenty of foresight into this, and I think there has been plenty of, um, hints that, it, that it was going to happen, but again, it, it just... It, they've been small. They haven't been big moments. Like John, the potential for John being Azora High has been big. I mean, I don't want to say from the get go, but from about the time Melisandre shows up, uh, this mm-hmm. we start learning about as you know this this warrior of light and and things, and it's it's probably not yeah. Stannis and it's somebody else, and there's definitely a lot of of hints about it, and certainly John's parentage has always been something, and. So there's always been some something bigger is going to happen with John. Yeah. Um. Yep. Arya, the the Arya, potentially being as or high, the one to defeat the Night King. Yeah. There's been hints throughout throughout the series. Again, but I think I I completely see people's arguments for it being rushed. I'm with with this where I think there has, there have been hints of Danny, but it does feel quite quick in the last, in this last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, again, that's what we talked about earlier. I think that's people's issue is just that it's been quick, right? Sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on here. We've got uh, 
Lord uh, Blue Stingray. I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So here we go. Pro- probably you know r- related to some of the. I mean, didn't House House Manderly have like a merman? Yes, yes uh, right do. on their on their sigil. Yeah. So some of these seafaring uh, uh, lords and and ladies. Uh, I, I've always though I've always thought that the Lannister arc is the most compelling. Three kids trying to do uh, the most or make the most of their situation. Cersei was married to Robert, was uh, underestimated for being a woman, can't control her son, loses her children, is humiliated in front of a city, etc., but eventually defeats her enemies. Danny was pretty much, uh, or has pretty much been saying, quote, bend the knee forever. Her only motivation uh, being power. Her family lost the kingdom, but somehow she thinks she deserves the throne because dot 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 dragons. She lacks true empathy, uh, must be convinced to show mercy, and just killed innocent children. At worst, Cersei killed her actual enemies at the Sept. She executed a prisoner of war, (laughs) Masande, a declared enemy of the Queen and an advisor to the Usurper that wished the death of a city. All right, all right. Uh, This is literally at the same level as Danny killing Varys. So... Why do so many want to give Danny a pass and hate Cersei? Question mark. She killed more children, innocents, etc., than any other character. Dot dot dot. Well, I, I think the easy I think the easiest thing is that it's because it her treatment of well, it also just happened. I mean, it, it, Danny just destroyed this city, so we're only we're only really a week into Danny. Processing really, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really going off the deep end and killing, killing tons of people. Yeah, Cersei has been has been like this the entire series, so I think that's why it's 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 easier. The hatred's been building, right? It's been yeah, building so over, long. over seasons sure. and seasons, or books, books and book. Whereas Danny just w- really went off the deep end this last episode. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it is crazy. It's there's um, she she's definitely not. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. To hate her, she, as as um, this Raven kind of indicates, she does things because she loves her her family, and it's it's all for family, it's all for love of, of her children, and and things like that. And and Danny, yeah, I mean, she also though I, you, I can feel for her too. She's had everything taken from her, and wants to come back, and you know, kind of uh, have everyone bend the knee, and that's just what she's she's that's what she knows. I mean, it is known, right? She she's she's the dragon. She's uh, um meant to come back and, and rule these seven kingdoms that was taken from her family and, and this is laid on her shoulders so I, I see where she's coming from as, as well um, yeah so, so many people want to give Danny a pass and hate Cersei yeah she has I mean Danny's also done a lot of, of, of things you know but uh, as, as uh, let me go back up here who was that Lady Shannon was kind of pointing out that she had done those things also in um times of 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 war and, and and to people who she thought were enemies and and things like that or who stood in her way right in, in, in some regard and if she wouldn't have attacked them they would have attacked her type of thing or she she struck first and what have you now well the situation I mean, with these innocent children is a little different here well at i mean danny danny does kill well through process of being the mother of dragons kills an innocent child remember when when she's in when she's in she's ruling sure. and we see that we see the guy bring in his 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 bear his his uh the herder yeah like the sheep right, herder or whatever bringing, he yeah. brings in his child and danny's horrified i mean she's 
she you can tell she feels hor- horrible whereas Cersei has you know and, and has Robert Baratheon's kids killed the bastards let's go after them so I mean there's a huge there's a huge yeah. difference yeah that's a good point that's a good point I think people forget about that sometimes yeah you know the other thing is that I think Cersei just masks it really well and she's played the game a lot longer and we see more raw emotion and, and I think we Danny seems more transparent to us and Cersei it's kind of hard to see the things that maybe Tyrion and Jamie do see in her because they are family so I, I you know that's that other layer that's 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 tough and that's neat I guess about the story is to kind of pick through that and and truly see who these characters are and what their motivations are and and get down to their core uh, and, and you find it's pretty muddled. It's not just black and white. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, I think. I mean, that was kind of the, the end of the Ravens. That, we, yeah, that's kind of the end right? of the Ravens. We have we have a couple we have a couple of predictions here, and then Strezer and I are going to give our final bold predictions. Yeah. Okay. So we have one more here. Um, this is. Wait, wait, no, we've got th- uh, two two prediction Ravens here. So we've got uh, Sir Gabe uh, sent us one. Says, "Hey guys, I'm a new listener to the podcast this season." and have loved listening to everyone's predictions. Here are some of my own thoughts. Because they spent so much time focusing on Arya in Episode 5 and putting her directly in the line of fire, I feel that was their way of setting up her motivation to get rid of Danny. Uh, what about the possibility of Arya killing Danny and taking her face? She can rule with Gendry by her side. Uh, or she can relinquish the throne to a Stark to avoid any backlash from the Dothraki or the Unsullied. If Danny is actually killed before their eyes, uh, wow! How would you? Uh, I'm sorry. How would she do it though? Sansa would have to be involved. The killing of Littlefinger showed us um, what those two are capable of when they work together. Okay, so we have a few uh, or scenarios. We have four or five. Or Bran can look back in time and affect any number of moments from this season, like uh, he affected Hodor's past. Uh, or Davos could be the one to kill Danny. He never got his chance to kill Melisandre for uh, what she did to an innocent girl. Think of what he would want to do to someone for killing hundreds of innocent children. He's very connected to uh, Flea Bottom and, and things. Um, dot dot dot. Or John can continue to honor Danny as his uh, queen right up until the point he becomes the next Jamie and earns the nickname uh, Queen Slayer. Or Yara, hearing about John through Varys's note, could have a scorpion on her boat and slay uh, Drogon. After all, she never got the chance to kill Euron. I feel like she needs to be a part of uh, some of the storyline. Or one final possibility, we see Jamie grab a sword when running from King's Landing, which means he may have left his sword in Winterfell. Maybe the two swords made from ice will be wielded by two characters who will kill Danny. Don't forget who um, Brienne is loyal to and who killed Jamie. Interesting. So basically, Bri- Brienne might might take the sword, might combine ice and come back and and and, and kill um, kill Danny. You know, because she's loyal to Sansa and then she also loved Jamie. So so many possibilities. It's anyone's game. Awesome. All right. Okay. Uh, we also have one more. I'll just finish this out here, Sir Matt. Um, we've got uh, Oz. Of Castle um, Alvadrez, Alvadrez, Castle Alvadrez, yeah, yeah. sweet. Uh, hey guys, I have a plot twist. I believe Danny, uh, quote Queen of Ashes, 
flew to Winterfell prior to lighting up King's Landing and burned Winterfell because of Sansa's betrayal. So Arya and Jon get word of it and go after Danny. Jon and Grey Worm uh, are going to have the yeah, going to have the ultimate battle. Going to have an ultimate battle. Arya tries to kill uh, Danny and and Drogon uh, melts everyone except Jon. Jon comes out of the flames as Azor High and cleans house. All right, cool. Azor High's back. It's back, Sir Matt. I mean, uh, here at the end. <laughs> People still thinking about it. I love it. So, okay. All right, wait. Let's get into our own uh, uh, bold predictions here, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. <sighs> I'll let you go first, Sir Ezra. Wow. I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be a reset. Damn, that's I'm just what say I was going to say. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, 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 I should have went first. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I... I I don't, you know, I mean, we've got that petition out there for a rewrite, and I think the showrunners have, I think they're way ahead of you. That's what I was going to say. That's why I read that article, the CNN article at the top of the show, because I was like, oh, that's funny. That's funny, because the showwriters are actually going to rewrite the show. They are going to go back. Where do you, where do you think, where do you think it's going to happen? Where do you think it's going to take place? Huh. That's interesting. Because you don't have time to, to. Unless they show us glimpses of just different crazy things happening, I kind of hope something like 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 we go back to the Night King, which would be crazy to say. That's just because I'm making a bold prediction. It's probably more likely, and I, and I think you you've. Well, I'll let you kind of. Where, where do you think? It's right, gonna, I brought this up before. Is when the, the moment where Bran says it's your decision about telling mm-hmm. about telling Sansa. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think if it goes back, what happens if he doesn't tell Sansa? Right, if they were to go could, this, could route, that be which the they, love? They probably won't, but could that be the love that that keeps the kingdom together? And that's maybe that's all she needs is just John's love, and it's a song of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. And when that works out perfectly, then we can set everything right. If she just had, you know, some because she does, she seems to really love him, and that she is pouring herself. Just, just she wants that. She, she wants to be able to rule here. And gosh, if he could just get past the fact that she's his aunt, and if he could just love her, it might be okay. Maybe they go back and they don't tell John or something, or it's it's never said to him. Who knows? But I think there's going to be some type of reset uh, that Bran will be involved. I just don't think you. I can't see George having a character like this or. We don't know, though. I mean, I haven't seen George do the Hodor thing, so I don't know how that's all going to play out or what his powers and abilities will really be. So it will be interesting to, to see what uh, what they do with Bran at the end because he's still there, and I feel like you have to... Something has to be done with Bran. It all comes down to him. Okay. Well, so. I guess I'll still give, I'll still give one. Um, this, oh, boy. And, and change it up. There will be no Iron Throne. By the end of next episode, okay, it will. It, whether it's whether let's say Drogon melts it or or they something, there will be there will be no centralized seat of power in Westeros. It will be either split gotcha. up into individual kingdoms or a democratic ruler or something. But the, uh, there will be no more kings. Yeah. Okay. So I like it. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing season eight, episode six, the final episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, we'll be giving our review and initial reaction. 
I mean, it's over, guys. So get ready. Uh, it's it's going to be emotional, Sir Matt. You know, we've we've been covering it for years, and it's it's actually going to be emotional. I feel like so mm-hmm. has been so far, but it, to to have it come to an end is just is wild. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a few days. And remember, we still have the books. <laughs> <laughs> uh.